Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, The Atom, number 26. Cover date, August, September 1966. Cover price, 12 cents. Cover artist, Gil Kane, edited by Julius Schwartz. Featuring The Eye-Popping Perils of the Insect Bandit, written by Gardner Fox, art by Gil Kane and Sid Green. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go-go. Welcome to the world of love and laughter, baby. Welcome to the sunshine of a brand new Police contact Professor Ray Palmer after an importer is robbed by a robot insect. Ray investigates as the atom, and though he fails to stop the bug or its master on two occasions, his investigation leads him to Bertram Larvan, an entomologist, who also deduces Ray's secret identity. Confused? Don't worry, I'll be right back with Dr. Husband to explain everything. With the great big eyes, he said, Stop that box. Stop that box. Stop that box. You gotta stop that box. <sighs> oh, hi. Hi. I have ennui. You have ennui? Yes. Why? I don't know. I think it's because of um, anxiety about returning to normal functions and society oh as i did this morning tell me about it well as you know i work at a church mm-hmm. which is one hour and 30 minute drive from our home yes it's a lovely drive there's never any traffic on sunday morning right i don't know it just seems like kind of had a nice thing going for a while not having to leave the house ever well in in fairness you work completely from home. Well, yes. Yeah, so that's that. only that Sunday morning. Right. And I have to say, um, I go to a different church. Yes. And uh, we have been back in person for a while. Mm-hmm. And we don't sing um, hymns. Like, I'm, I'm a cantor in a Catholic church, so I sing, but generally no one sings. Right. Um, and we are a singing church. So it's very, very different. And so well, it's just a different experience. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone is masked, of course. We are masked as well. Yes. Yeah. But I think I'm going to be going to your church here pretty soon. Do you? Oh, yeah. We'll see about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is Sunday afternoon. It's gray and cloudy and It yucky. is a weird day. I went for a run this morning, as you know, and it was really hard to push through just because I was hoping for... 
It's that time of year. School started last week. Yes. And you're sort of faced with, I mean, it's kind of like a race, a slow slog to to the end. And there are these moments of glory and, and fun and, and stuff in between, you know. Um, I don't know what I'm saying. I just sort of looking at the next 14 weeks and hoping that everything's going to be okay, that our students are going to be fine, that my colleagues are going to be fine, everything's going to be okay. And it's... it's so I get your ennui. Well, hope springs eternal, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know what else springs eternal? No. The violence. atom. Oh, I was going to say violence. <laughs> violence and, 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 uh, and crime fighting. Well, yes, crime fighting, certainly, mm-hmm. especially when you're the world's tiniest superhero. Yes. And the first, you were asking earlier about which came first, the atom or Ant-Man. Or Ant-Man. It was Adam by four months. Okay. Although the first shrinking superhero was Doll-Man. What a stupid name for a superhero. Why? Dollman. Do- Why is that stupid? He becomes the size of a doll. And he rides in a little toy aeroplane. Did Dollman um, happen to be friends with Spoonman or Footman or um, Half Footman? No. Or, or uh, what other sort of diminutive objects are we always surrounded with? Oh, Eyeglassman? No. No? But he did have a doll girl. As his was helper. Was she a real thing? And was she a doll? She was a real woman. <laughs> and he had a dog he rode around on. Oh. So you'd like that, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. One of one of our dogs is choking to death in the other room, by the way. <laughs> he just cacked. Um, and of course, as you know, there was a golden age Adam who... Did not shrink. Did not shrink. Well, he was short. He was only five feet tall. Oh. But he was... Um, he was so full of spunk. Yes, was, yeah. short and stocky, and he yeah. had an atomic punch. Oh, okay. So, there you go. There you go. But for I like now, this Adam, We, I love this Adam. I think it's my favorite... Uh, well, his origin story was always my favorite origin story. What was that? He uh, invented this lens which he would shine a light through and would shrink things, but when he shrank uh, organic matter, it would explode. Oh, God. And so he was on a scout trip or something with his girlfriend, Jean Loring, the lady lawyer, and the scouts and him got trapped in a cave. And he happened to have an engagement ring in his pocket because, as you know from reading this issue, he... He's asked her many times. Proposes once a week, like clockwork. So he had the diamond ring, and he did something. He was able to shrink using a beam of light coming through the cave with his lens that he had. And then he used the diamond ring to cut the stones so that they could get out of the cave. Or so that he could get out and then grow back and rest. I don't remember it. I'll have to read it again. Okay. But it's, I know the diamond ring figured prominently because he shrank and then he hoisted it up around his shoulder. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Well, um, I don't want to give it a, give anything away, but I really enjoyed this comic. I'm so glad. I thought it was so interesting and I was just sitting here thinking, when I was reading it earlier today, that if this had been the kind of comic that I could have gotten my hands on as a young person, uh-huh. I probably would have collected this. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's The Atom number 26, the first appearance of the Bug-Eyed Bandit, whom 
is not referred to as the bug-eyed bandit anywhere, anywhere inside the issue, only on the cover. Mm-hmm. The bug-eyed bandit was armed with more weapons than the Atom could shake a fist at. That's true. The Atom is trapped in the clutches of the aforementioned bandit, and a robotic bug is about to stab him through the heart Yeah, with a uh, needle of some kind. Extra in this issue, double-page pinup of the Atom. And I like particularly how the robotic bug's wings kind of go in and out of the logo. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, Covered by Gil Kane, of course, and interior art. Let's go. Okay. On the splash page, the robotic bug is being slammed against the wall by the Atom as it launches a projectile stinger towards the Atom's head. Mm -hmm. An insect that robs. A bandit bug that uses weapons concealed inside its body to ward off enemy attacks. Out of the night, above Ivy Town it comes. Wings whirring, miniature weapons braced for battle against man or animal. To meet the threat comes the Atom, unaware that he is risking more than his own life when he braves... The the eye-popping perils of the insect bandit. Um, Interior art by Gil Kane, which is fantastic on every single page. Absolutely. And Sid Green. What does Sid Green do? The inker. Okay. Um, and Gardner Fox just wrote the story. Yes, Gardner Fox in his uh, Hepcat breaking fourth wall voice. I'm rolling my eyes. Um, I'm not Where he addresses not only the reader, but also the characters within the story mm-hmm. in Hep language. Which our guest from several weeks ago, Jennifer DeRoss. Mm-hmm seemed to think this was a mandate from above, that he didn't really like writing this way. Oh. But he was trying to be um, hip, like, because the Batman TV show had taken off by this point. Right, right. Trying to uh, attract the kids, yeah, as it were. College crowd. Jazz club, you know, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Sure. Anyway... Hats off to our story's beginning because a man's walking down the street and his hat blows off. <laughs> My hat! Blowing off! <laughs> he chases his hat into an alleyway. This is the well-heeled Clifford Rogers mm-hmm. who's lost his hat. And suddenly he hears a clicking noise and a metallic insect flies down from above and sprays gas into his face. Mm-hmm. He chokes, his muscles go limp, He passes out. The robotic insect filches his keys and his wallet. I want to tell you that I really, really liked this bottom right panel. This pinchers rip the pocket, grip a wallet. Simultaneously, a needle-like rod stabs from the insect deep into the key pocket. I just liked the language that he used here. I liked the words he chose, you know? A, a needle-like rod stabs from the insect deep into the key pocket. There's almost like this, this threat of violence, you know, that doesn't happen. Right. You know, but um, that it's just so interesting. And I loved the angles mm-hmm. of each of the panels on this page. I was taken into this comic right here, this front, this first page. Really? I was just like, wow, this is really cool. Look how his foot comes out of the panel and into the other panel. Yes. Yep. Really neat. Meanwhile, at this very moment, lady lawyer Jean Loring is lecturing her nephew Jimmy about doing his skill work. He's all caught up in this baseball craze. Well, he looks like an idiot. 
but it seems that if he can put together some kind of a report on entomology, that he can get a scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, a scholarship for? I, entomology? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's just he has those... a, He has a science project on insects to be exhibited at the coming school term. Yes. So he needs to get started. She'd yes. like to get him started. Jean Loring asks her boyfriend, physicist Ray Palmer, to give Jimmy a hand. Now, you might think, what's a physicist going to know about bugs, right? Right. But it turns out he's been studying. And he knows a lot about bugs. All of which we're going to hear about right now. (laughs) A flea can leap five city blocks in relation to its size, just as a man, if he had the relative to size strength of an ant, could lift a railroad locomotive. Turns out Jimmy has been assigned to build a terrarium also. Which is, like, so easy. Yeah. By the way, it says here at the bottom, author's note, for the culture vultures in the crowd, a terrarium is a glass tank filled with earth in which colony of ants lives for study purposes. Is that true? I thought that was an ant farm. That's an ant farm. A terrarium is simply a glass enclosure where you grow plants in soil. And it should be, once you get it started, it should be self-sustaining. Don't you have to have a little box turtle in there, too, or something? You could have something alive in there. Sometimes you have, you know, crickets or well, I, I don't know. But I, I had we had terrariums growing up. They're just like terra is earth. Yes, obviously. And, and arium is, I guess, enclosure. Or I have a- no idea. Area. An area. Who knows? Do you ever have an ant farm? No, I didn't either. But I wanted one so bad. I lived in Florida. I had my share of ant farms. <laughs> we had. Plenty of ants. Um, and then that for a while, they had like interconnecting ones. Like you may have a whole ant farm city. Mm. And they had little tubes that you could connect so the ants could go from one Even as a child, I'd see another. those advertisements because I used to read Mad Magazine. Yes. I'd course. see those advertisements for ant farms. And I was just like, and I would, as a child, I'd go, who the hell wants that? I mean, because I lived in Florida, right? So it wasn't right. unusual for me to cut the lawn and walk in a, in a pile of fire ants. Well, they don't put fire ants in an ant farm. Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> they're just everywhere. Hey, Rob, did you know that insects are among Earth's oldest living life forms, having existed for 300 million years? I did know that because I read comics. They keep aphids uh, like herds of cattle and milk them. It's true. Insects are architects, carpenters, paper makers, and undertakers. The insect wears its skeleton on the outside of its body, not inside as humans do. It's called an exoskeleton. Guess what else, Rob? What? Some insects' ears are on their legs. Some have no lungs or larynxes, but they can make noise. Certain insects have no eyes. Others have five. Insects can live on deserts or high in the air or on the polar ice caps. They can be frozen solid yet live. They can endure temperatures of 120 degrees Fahrenheit. Guess what else, Rob? I didn't know this next thing at all. Insects can live in as perfect a vacuum as man can make. A grain weevil can exist in an atmosphere of carbon dioxide fatal to man or animal. Some insects are so small they can go through a needle's eye. Yet the Atlas moth has a wing spread of more than a foot. Terrifying. I would died immediately if I saw a moth that big flying With at a me. wingspan of a foot? Of a foot, yes. Yeah. Have you had enough, Rob? I have had enough. Good, because that's all the exposition we have time for right now. Because Phone rings. Gene Loring is getting a phone call. Uh, turns out it's for Ray. Oh. I guess the police chief knows that Ray's keeping time with Lady Lawyer Jean Loring. Do you ever miss having a telephone? 
like a dial telephone. Uh, I still have that one that weighs 8,000 pounds of my grandmother's, the black. Just being able to sit down and talk to somebody on the phone, you know, for in, in a place, in one room of the house. and Like a little telephone nook. Yeah, I don't, well, we didn't have a nook. We, our telephone was in our living room. but We did. Did you have a nook? Well, we had, uh, so we had stairs that went either from the living room and also from the kitchen, and they met on a little landing. Uh-huh. And so we had a little half-moon table there on that landing. That's where the telephone was. You're, so you had to climb up the stairs to get the phone? I mean, it was like four steps. Okay. And then the landing. Oh. Yes. Wow. Did you have a, just just the one television, the telephone in your house? Um, I think my parents had one in their bedroom. Okay. Because my father had to go, like he was on call all the time. Oh. So I think there was one in the bedroom. Hmm. Yeah, but we we kids didn't have phones in our rooms. No, no, no. We we um. I never had a phone in my room. We had a phone in our living room, and one in the kitchen. Was the kitchen have like a long cord so you could walk all over the kitchen? And uh, cook? it was on the wall, so it had that really long um coil coiled cord, and the one in the living room had a long cord so you could move around from one chair to another. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. We had rotary dial for a long time. Oh, sure. Isn't, you know what? I was reading something the other day, but just a little meme, and I thought, well, that's kind of fun. What happened to that part of my brain that I used to do to keep all my friends' phone numbers memorized that I used to use? Right. Right? Do you remember? I still can remember, like, my, my phone number. My parents have the same phone number I grew up with. Okay. Like, and they moved. And you One, remember One, two, it. three, four. Four houses. Yeah. All in the same town. Huh. But they still have the same phone number. Yeah. Oh, of course I know it. Okay. Yeah. But all your friends you don't know. Oh, no. I don't know anyone's phone number. Well, I know Jenny's phone number. Jenny who? Eight six seven five three zero nine nine. So Jimmy thinks that Ray is in trouble with the law. totally fell into that trap. Yeah. So Detective Baxter is on the phone for Ray. Mm-hmm. Because Ray often helps the police solve cases in his capacity as a professor of physics. <laughs> so Ray's got to run. Go meet the police. Because, uh, what's his face? I just figured out why the dogs are pacing in and out of the room. Because it's time it's for them time for to them have to go, a walk W-A-L-K. And, uh, Don't yes. say that word or they'll okay. go crazy. Okay, all right. Uh, Clifford is in the hospital. He's burning with fever. Um, so whatever this gas was... Has muddled his brain somehow. Jimmy's in the... No, Jimmy's back with Gene Ray. Went to the hospital. Okay. Uh, what do you make of it, Professor of Physics Ray Palmer? <laughs> well, uh, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but... But I really am I flattered mean, that everyone asks my opinion about everything. I mean, I am a doctor, but not that kind of not a doctor. Not that kind of a doctor. But fortunately, I've been studying up about insects and happen to know that the bombardier beetle shoots out a gas. Perhaps it was something like that that knocked him out. Right. Hey, Rob. Yes. The bombardier beetles are ground beetles. There are more than 500 species altogether. Okay. They're most notable for the defense mechanism that gives them their name. When disturbed, they eject a hot, noxious chemical spray from the tip of the abdomen with a popping sound. Same. Ha! 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 
Guess what else, Rob? What? The spray is produced from a reaction between two chemical compounds, hydroquinone and hydrogen peroxide, which are stored in two reservoirs in the beetle's abdomen. Wow. When the aqueous solution of hydroquinones and hydrogen peroxide reaches the vestibule, catalysts facilitate the decomposition of the hydrogen peroxide and the oxidation of the hydroquinone. Heat from the reaction brings the mixture to near the boiling point of water and produces gas that drives the ejection. Shut up! The damage caused can be fatal to attacking insects. Some bombardier beetles can direct the spray in a wide range of directions. The beetle's unusual defense mechanism is claimed by some creationists to be an example of what they call irreducible complexity, though this is refuted by evolutionary biologists and professors of physics. You're like that. What? You can fire something in any direction that you want. Yes, I alluded to that earlier. (laughs) Uh, so Ray has left the hospital and this case has intrigued him. He's (laughs) going to continue investigating, perhaps with the help of the atom. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. in a business office off of Ivy Square, a, uh, gentleman that looks like a hippie. No, like a beatnik. A beatnik, yeah, definitely. Uh, is breaking into a safe. Mm -hmm. So you remember when the bug took the keys in the wallet? Yes. It was the keys keys to this safe. safe. And the combination was written down inside the gentleman's wallet. I, okay. Well, that was awfully damn convenient. Well, no, he was targeted, clearly, because Uh, he's got a big payroll bundle in his safe here. Yeah. Um, So $100,000 is in the safe. At long last, the thief thinks, the robot pest killer, which I offered the world and which the world rejected, is paying off for me. Yeah. Nor need I fear the police with my robot insect to act as my armed bodyguard. Interesting. So, meanwhile, Ray Palmer is still investigating. He goes to Clifford Rogers' import business. He says, it occurred to me that Clifford Rogers' wallet and keys might have been deliberately stolen because someone wanted to gain more than a few dollars in his wallet. He owns an important import-export business. Yes. So I'll check this out. And as he's coming in... Out is coming the robber. The thief with a bag full of money and a robotic insect on his shoulder. Very interesting. Ray quickly clicks his size and weight controls and his invisible when expanded uniform comes into view as he makes the transformation from research scientist to world's smallest superhero. So his suit just sort of, what, drops in the ground? Yes, his suit is made of white dwarf star material. What? Yeah. Yeah, um, and it's he wears it all the time, but okay. when he's full size, it's invisible. Okay, and when he shrinks, it becomes visible. They put so a lot of thought into this. He is wearing his costume over his civilian clothes all the time. Wow, which really makes me wonder how he goes to the bathroom. Yeah, of course. You know, I somebody has to think about those sorts of things. And why not you? So, um, the atom is attacking the robber, and the robber is manipulating his remote control and taking his insect to attack the atom. You know who this robber looks like? Maynard G. Krebs from Dobie Gillis. Yep. You're right. Uh, Bertram Larvin is his name. Yes. We just learned that, this very panel. So, the atom does some aeronautical acrobatics... He's been gliding on air currents because we learned that it's a windy day Mm -hmm. in Ivy Town. So he doesn't have the natural ability of flight. 
he glides. No, he, but he is able to manipulate his weight. Yes, yes, yes. So he's going fist to tentacle with this bug um, and slams it into the side of a building. Then out of the glistening shell that is the casing of the robot, Roach stabs a saber-like appendage. Mm. Uh, this is scary. Yes. This knife comes out of the insect and starts swinging. The atom, undeterred, just grabs it and snaps it off. He's pretty badass. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, Which is probably going to be hard, you know, with his bare hands against this metallic creature. Well, we don't know that he might have quickly adjusted his weight. I mean, he doesn't possess super strength, right? No, but he could... Well, in a fashion, because if he's six inches high, but then switches back to his full 180-pound weight, Uh I imagine that would give him some kind of concentrated strength. Okay. I don't know. Mm. I have never thought it through that deeply before. So um, he's got the blade. He slices off half of this bug's wing. That was a damn sharp blade. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And the wings themselves are probably knife-like. Yes, yes, they it are. looks like it. Yeah. And then we get a fantastic second splash page. Yes, sir. In which the atom is gripped tight by these robot bug arms and is receiving an electrical shock. Yeah, that's a really good drawing. Yes. He uh, continues battling... Meanwhile, Bertram Larvan is watching from his car. Mm -hmm. He orders the insect to disengage, and he drives off with the insect in pursuit. Too fast for the atom to follow on the air currents. But it's not a total loss, because he still has this weapon that he broke off of the bug, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe he can use it to track down the villain. Right. So Ray Palmer drives home. Bertram Larvan also drives home to his basement laboratory on the outskirts of Ivy Town. Uh, and of course he's out. I love this. All in all, a profitable night's work. I picked up the first installment of the heavy price mankind will pay for me rejecting me. Wow. Okay. So we're going to have a flashback now. Nice little origin story. To Bertram Larvan's mm-hmm. uh, beginnings. He is... He started off as, with the best of intentions. Yes. So he has invented, well, let's say he's conceived of a mechanical insect, which will be controlled by electronic impulses, automatically geared to seek out and destroy insect, bird, and animal life, which prey on man. Mm-hmm. Go on. He's sitting in the, the office wealthy, of a banker. Yes. The wealthy financier mm-hmm. is interested. Built of plastic and steel mesh, activated by solar cells, equipped with a... Score of miniature weapons, my robot insect will be an invulnerable pest killer. That's a pretty extraordinary uh, uh, invention he's got. Yes. The banker says, terrific. I'm sold. Show me a working model. Well, er, um, I was hoping you could give me the money to make the model because I don't have the money to make one yet. Well, no banker's going to give somebody money for something sight unseen that they right. can't see in action. Right. We all not know even Shark Tank will do that. We all know how stingy and horrible all bankers are. Yes. Yes. Uh, From watching the Beverly Hillbillies and Mr. Drysdale. Yes, and the Lucy Show. Yes. With Mr. Mooney. Mr. Mooney. Uh, bank after bank rejects his 
I love the floating heads. No, 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 no. His bitterness and fanaticism about his invention cost him his fiancée, Alice Morse. Uh, which we see in flashback. Sorry, Alice. I'm too busy with my project to waste precious time going out with you. Mm. So she tosses his engagement ring back at him. Right. Well, he's, she's obviously, it was a good choice for her because she's dealing yeah. with somebody who's, a, who's now gone from uh, an entrepreneur working for the good of man to someone who is manic. Uh, yeah, I think that probably the manic part probably predated his quest to... Improve mankind. Probably. I think that was already in yeah. place. So two days later in his laboratory, um, Ray Palmer, who snatches odd moments from his regular work. What's his regular work? As he's a, a professor of physics. Okay, he's a professor, so he teaches. So, yes, yeah, so okay. he doesn't have any uh, free time because he's, he's a teacher. He snatches odd moments from his regular work to study the knife-like object he broke off from the robot roach. Stares in amazement, amazement as... Huh? All of a sudden it started to move around in a circle. That is... Not scientifically possible. Sure it is. Because it, it's receiving radio it's waves. It's receiving radio waves, but think about it. If you put a knife on the table, mm-hmm. okay, even if the knife has is fitted with the receiver, yep. okay, yep. it can't move on its own unless you pick it up. A knife, just like this knife, is a tool. It is not itself a... It doesn't have the ability to move itself. This but, is the only problem I have with this whole story. Maybe it's made of nth metal from Thanagar or something that allows it to move independently when activated by radio waves. Okay, Maybe so I'm just going to have to, you know, in a story where a man wears a suit made from the material of a white dwarf yes, star, I uh-huh. just have to assume that a small knife can wiggle around on the table by itself. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> first of all, if you had a costume made of white dwarf star material, the Earth would be destroyed and become a black hole. So I think you're reaching to find some criticism here okay by the way speaking of criticism i had a response from a listener did you about uh you remember when we were mocking because the world war one soldier looked so old yes apparently the average age of the world war one soldier was over 30 oh really they were older than soldiers in wars after that oh okay oh thank you well listener thank yes thank you listener um of course we all know that the average age of the combat soldier in vietnam was 19 so maybe that crook ray thinks is working his robot insect again with a duplicate replacement for this instrument but this instrument is still receiving electronic impulses mm-hmm by letting the strong or weak impulses in this thing guide me, it might lead me to the robot insect and its inventor. So he quickly switches to the atom. Yes. And launches himself out of the building. Yes. Plastic knife in hand. <laughs> I mean, metal knife in hand. Yes. And lets it lead him, hopefully, to its inventor. Well. And it works. Kind of. It's not leading him to the headquarters of the villain. It's leading him to the home of retired jewel collector Ivar Norbert. Ivar Norbert. He's reputed to have a fortune in jewels inside that special wing he built on his home. Now, we flash back 15 minutes, and we see this robotic insect cutting a circle 
in the glass which of is, his home. Which is the circle that was being cut also, the circular motion that was happening on the Right. Table. Yes. As uh, wised-up readers will understand, of course. Mr. Fox informs us. So the bug slips through the hole on uh, like a spider web thing. Like the ghost head of, yeah. of what is this, Nor- what's the guy's uh, name? Larvan. Lar- Mar- Lar- you go ahead. I'll, I'll find it. Go ahead. Bertram Larvan. Bertram Larvan. Uh, That's going to be an anagram for something. So, well, Larvan obviously sounds like larva. Yeah. Oh. What? Or, okay, go ahead. Or, yeah, I don't know. So, uh, the bug is going down to steal some jewels. Mm-hmm. The atom comes upon him from the ceiling rafters, slides down the spider web, and just hops on to this bug like a bucking bronco. Mm-hmm. He is thrown off the back of the bug, mm-hmm. makes himself light, crashes into a uh, crown. one of the crown jewels of mm-hmm. Europe. Mm-hmm. And then the bug shoots out some kind of a sticky substance. Mm-hmm trying to make the atom stick to this crown. Mm -hmm. Now, Bertram Larvan is outside in his car, again, watching this whole thing unfold on uh, the Lexophone Mini, Mm -hmm. which is implanted in his robot bug. He notices that whenever the atom gets big or small, he picks up a peculiar line on his energy screen. I think that's very interesting. I think I'm. I like that he added that to the story. So it will become important later. It will, and I really think that was clever. So, and, and those are words that I don't often say. I, I, I know. So the bug takes off. Adam grabs on, flies with it out of the house. Uh, gets thrown again, but mm-hmm. sees that the bug is uh, escaping with Bertram Larvan in his car. Mm-hmm. Too fast for the atom to follow. The atom then resumes his life as Ray Palmer and next day is driving out with Jean Loring to visit her latest client who happens to be the atom's old friend, Ed Thayer, college pal. Ed has just moved to Ivy Town. He's newly married and he wants lady lawyer Jean Loring to look over his title deed and mortgage and give him some legal advice. Right. The time to do that Ed would be before you bought you get the married. house. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Before you... Yeah. Yeah. Um, say, Ray says, Ed got married recently and he sent me an announcement and wedding picture and I remember doing a double take because his wife, Alice, looks, looks so, so much, much like, like you. you. Like a double. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they meet, they chit-chat. She does look exactly like Jean Loring. Mm-hmm. Same haircut and everything. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, Ray says, say, Ed, I know you've done a lot of scientific research. Would you happen to know any scientist who's both an expert entomologist and an engineer? Why, that sounds like Bert Larvan, my former boyfriend, Alice says. This is Alice Morse, his jilted fiancé. Right. She explains that he became so wrapped up in his work, his behavior became so intolerable, I became uncomfortable in his presence and broke off our engagement. And he says he could be the man. Ever since the police asked for my help in a certain baffling case, I've been looking for a lead. Now, Jean Loring. Jean Loring, a lady lawyer. Speaking of pre-existing 
mental health problems. <laughs> this gal. Mm. Hmm, this Bert Larvan lost Alice because he was too wrapped up in his work. I wonder if I might lose Ray because I'm so intent on my law work. <laughs> That's the takeaway you should have, Gene. Exactly. In this That's, moment right now. Yep. Yep. Uh... On the ride home, Gene and Ray are both very... <gasps> Gene and Ray! I just Oh, my God! Gene and Ray were my parents' names. May they rest in peace. I've never seen it as Gene and Ray, though. No. In print, in the Adam. I've always seen it as Ray and Gene, hmm. which also should make me think immediately of my parents. But <laughs> I'm so busy thinking of other things. Oh, Ray that. always proposes to me at least once a week, and today's the day. I've been putting him off. No engagement or marriage till I'm a success. But how long can he hold out? I know exactly what she's thinking. Meanwhile, Ray... Oh yeah, you can read it right there. <laughs> of course you know what she's thinking. That's I the point. That was so clever and fast. Um, Ray is... When you met me, I was, I was, I was the same way. I yes. was like, I'm, like, I'm not going to get involved with anyone while I'm in college. Nope. Well, listener, I wore that down you sure in did. about three Six. months. It was six months. Oh, okay. Well, nine total. Okay. So, uh, Ray must be thinking about proposing as well, right? Yeah. Nope. Nope. As soon as I drop Gene off, <laughs> I'll hunt up Bertram Larvan. Obsessed with his work. Um, he drops Gene off. She says, haven't you uh, forgotten something? Ray? Haven't you forgotten something, Ray? Of course, honey. How about a little peck on the cheek? Yep. And it's funny how that's drawn like that. It's almost like he's sucking her cheek off of her skull. I know that it's not what he meant, but um, it's funny. Poor Jean. A peck on the cheek instead of a proposal? I'm losing him! Gene. Mm. Settle down. He has something else on his mind. Uh, she, doesn't. she doesn't know he's the Adam. No, she doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but she also doesn't go. Um, she has a complete mental breakdown later in time. And then she becomes Eclipso. So, oh, yeah. I, I knew that you've mentioned that before. Have I? Yes. Um, within anyway. the, within the hour in Bertram Lauren's laboratory. Yes. Now that I've analyzed these atom lines, I, uh, there they go again, increasing in intensity. The atom must be nearby. The Ding front dong. doorbell. <laughs> Whoever's at the front door must secretly be the atom. Well, what if it is the atom at the front door? That would be classic, like you open the door and then no one's there, but it's the Adam Tiny, and he just jumps up and punches, punches you in you the, in the nuts. face. Oh. Nuts. <laughs> so Bertram Larvan opens the door, and it is, in fact, Professor of Physics, Ray Palmer. Mm-hmm. Good afternoon. My name is Professor of Physics, Ray Palmer. I'd like, to, ahead, I'd like to ask you some questions, if I may. Come in. Come in. This is, this is like Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs. Right. She, he's going to walk in there and there's going to be a metal bug buzzing around in the background. Oh, mister! And he's, he's going to say, Mr. Larvin, can I use your phone? <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's right around it's right here. Around here. <sighs> so, oh, it's a shame about that girl. I didn't say anything about that girl. Uh, I don't or, remember or, or she a great big fat person? <laughs> I don't remember how he tips himself off. How how he tips her off that he that he oh, says. Oh, I can't either. Well, I guess uh, we'll have to watch it tonight. Do you know, I I read that book too. I, you did. I read. I think I read it before I saw the movie because it was a big, big, big you know success the yeah. movie. And I think I read the book and then I saw the movie. And the book was just as damn good as the movie. Oh yes. Oh my god. 
Um, so anyway, Bertram Larvan learns now that Clifford Rogers has remembered snippets of his gas attack, which is not supposed to happen because the special gas which the robot insects sprayed him with should have caused a complete loss of memory. What went wrong? Meanwhile, Ray thinks Larvan's covering covering something up. Yes. I'll return as the Atom and search his house from cellar to attic. It's a good thing that Larvan can't just turn to his left and read the thoughts in the thought bubble over him. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Because then it would be a much shorter (laughs) issue. As the next page, as the young research scientist leaves, There he is, my little beauty, Ray Palmer, alias the Atom. Now get out there and kill him! Kill him! Fly, my beauties, fly! Um, so, Larvin thinks, well, it could be, it was a windy night in Ivy Town. Could be that the wind dissipated most of the forgetting gas, preventing Rogers from getting a full dose. So the prying Adam out of the way, I should be safe. Yes, Ray's driving off in his sleek convertible, Mm. and doesn't know that this robotic insect is coming after him with a stinger full of poison, no doubt. You know who else has a great convertible? Who? Sue Dibney. Yes, and Gene Loring. Yeah. Uh, who happens to be coming around the corner just as Ray is driving off. She sees this bug coming after him, and she screams for him to hit the dirt, which he does. Splash panel number three. They must live in... Uh, California? Yeah, but Ivy or, Town is supposed to be on the East Coast. Well, then it would be... Um, that, that looks like a Maine kind of coast. Maine of Vermont. Mm-hmm. Um... Ray ducks out of the car, thanking Gene for saving his life. They didn't crash, though. They didn't crash. The bug is still hovering there, so I guess yeah, he's weird. just going to follow. So Gene dissolves into tears. She figured out where Ray was going, and she came after him to tell you that this time, if you want to propose to me, I'll accept. He's, and he just, typical man, what a numbskull I am. But yep. it's so wrapped up in this case that I've forgotten all about my weekly proposal. <laughs> I'm not letting this opportunity slip past me. Sweetheart, will you marry me? Yes, yes darling. Yes yes yes, 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 yes. So they're engaged. Hurrah. All of this is being observed by the bug, who is also uh, 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 broadcasting right. back to Bertram Larvan. Who sees the image on his Lexophone Mini and thinks that Ray Palmer is kissing his former fiance Alice Morse. Sends him into a rage. Yes. He is not to be trifled with anymore. No. no. Later that night, after sealing his engagement, I wonder what that means. Mm. <laughs> uh, Adam sneaks into Laravan's cellar window mm-hmm. and steps right into a trap. He is trapped in a net, which is covered in some kind of sticky sticky substance substance. and he cannot activate his size and weight controls but he can run he can run with it over him like a schmata (laughs) larvan emerges in his quote-unquote working clothes which is a purple bodysuit with green boots gauntlets and great big green bug eyes i love that he says I have on my working clothes now, Atom. I've never worn them outside, lest they be they be conspicuous. Yeah, good call. Now get ready for a shock. I love... I've never worn them outside, lest they be conspicuous. So he's worn this costume only inside. <laughs> yes. 
Also, what he wears outside is like a monocolor jumpsuit of some kind, like almost like a prison jumpsuit. Hmm. Uh, but you know what? He's pretty jacked when he puts he, the skin tight costume on. Hell yeah. He's not to be messed with. I nope. bet he put up a good fight. But uh, he doesn't do the fighting. He's got a remote control right. on his So the Atom spies a giant electromagnet, which he recognizes because he certainly uses one in his classroom as a professor of physics. Oh, they all have them. All professors of physics have magnets. So he runs over to the magnet, which snatches the net up. Mm -hmm. So Good for him that he was actually able to hold still. Uh, What if he had... You know, it's sticky, right? So what if he had miscalculated and the magnet held the... Him and right. Ned. So <clears throat> you won't be able to escape that easily because I'm sending this bug after you, the bandit uh, says. And he's implanted a device inside his robot insect that enables it to shrink or enlarge as you do. Mm. Mm. Uh-oh. Mm. So that's interesting. I have um, I analyzed it and inserted a device inside my robot insect that enables me to shrink or enlarge as you do. Yes. That's pretty advanced technology. I mean, the Atom sort of stumbled onto this, didn't he? Yeah. And this guy invented a device that can do the same thing? Yes. That's what we... Yes. We're supposed to just accept that. The bug now has the ability to sandblast the Atom. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, they are, have now shrunken, both of them shrunk too small for... Bertram to see what they're doing. So Adam grabs the bug by the leg, swings it around, switches to his full 180-pound weight, and flings the bug at Bertram's forehead. I bet that would hurt. So he smashes, in the process, smashes the hand control device that the bandit was using, which means he has to work... You use the master control panel. Right. Now, which is awkward, it's on the wall. It's like what your dad used to use to process payroll. Yes. Yeah. Now, a room size control. Bertram Larvan has this headpiece on, which has gigantic Kirby esque antennae, which allow him top. to communicate. Oh, with happy birthday to Jack Kirby yesterday, by the way. Okay. Um, Total nonsense. I, happy birthday in heaven. No, I just said Kirby esque. Oh. Listener will know what I'm talking okay. about. All right, all right. I'm surprised that the controls aren't in those antennae. That he has to use either a hand control right. or a wall. Right. Why wouldn't it be mental? Right. Yeah. I mean, for God's sake, if he invented something in the bug that allows it, the bug to get small and and large, certainly he could he mentally could mentally control, control the bug. Uh, now the bug is turning super hot, mm-hmm. which is going to burn the atom up. That's pretty dangerous. There's only one chance float up to the ceiling mm-hmm. to trigger the fire extinguisher. Very clever. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which does happen, and it works. Now, he grabs onto the bug, as he's done several times in this issue already, directs it to fly down towards Larvan, mm-hmm. and this is where Bertram Larvan reveals that he knows the atom is secretly... Ray Palmer. Yeah. He fires a gun at the Adam. Adam maneuvers the bug so that the bug takes the shot. Right. Instead of him. 
And then he once more lunges for the bandit. Adam lunges for the bandit. Right. At the last moment, the bandit presses what he thinks is going to be the heat button. But it's actually the amnesia gas. It's the amnesia gas, which he gets a full face of. And forgets everything about who he is and why he's dressed the way he is. Thus ends the threat of Bertram Larvan to the world and to the Adam's secret identity. Madman, entomologist, scientist. Time to phone the police. A couple of months later... Thanks, Mr. Palmer, for helping me with my insect project. I won the scholarship. Mm. Jimmy, before too long, you'll be calling him... Uncle Ray. Aww. Bug-Eyed Bandit will appear one more time in the Adams magazine, in the Adam number 33. Okay. Then he will appear in an Adam solo story in World's Finest Comics in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Then he will be killed in the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, no. Yeah. He only appears three times? Yeah. Uh, and then he's killed. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. I think post-Crisis he has appeared somewhere or okay. other but uh as you know rob yes i'm a big fan of the bug-eyed bandit how for a character that has only appeared four times in the history of comics because for some reason i had this issue of the atom and i loved his costume okay uh i based one of my role-playing game mm-hmm. characters on the bug-eyed bandit where i had him a la the uh thunderbolts from marvel I had him go undercover as a superhero so okay. that he could infiltrate the superhero community and then destroy them from within. It's true. And his very clever. superhero identity was the new Red Bee. Mm. And he had an army of robotic bees with all with different abilities. Those bees were awesome. I know. All the bees had the names of angels from the Old Testament mm-hmm. with powers to match. They were. It was a very, very clever thing. I was... Very, very envious of you. Of course, I created some sort of character that was basically like the Green Lantern, but from India. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a very intricate story, backstory and such. And I made stupid choices with my powers that endangered us all the time. No. they Just that one time when I wanted just to took be, risks. Yeah, I just, yeah. There was that one time that I wanted to, we were trapped in a net and I wanted to create a whale. Uh-huh. Which would, <laughs> which would kill us Destroy all. Everyone Destroy everyone that was inside, inside the net. Destroy everyone that was inside the net, yeah. Well, you know, you never know unless you try something out, right? Exactly, right. Uh, you can find us on social media at Pod. You can find Dr. Husband on his own podcast, Liberally Speaking. I'm sorry I haven't had a new episode in a long time. It's quite all right. You know, when you edit and prepare and oh things, my God, it, takes it takes time. Oh, my God, Not like me. I just hit play and publish. Done. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of my day. <laughs> and you can find us back here next week with I don't know what. I haven't looked at my spreadsheet today. I'm looking but forward to it. But it'll be exciting. It will whatever be. Whatever it is. Unless it's Jerry Lewis or Bob Hope. And oh. <laughs> we'll uh, try to get through it as quickly as possible. Right. Anything else to add? No. Uh, no. Uh, you know, I, thank you for, for doing this this afternoon. This has brought a little sunshine into an overcast, gloomy day. Happy to oblige. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bye. Bye. It's hard to give all of a chance. The music is the one shall we dance. Welcome to the world of love and love the baby. Welcome to the world of love and love the baby.